Everybody. Welcome to episode 169 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this is it. We are going into season two of Superboy. And on this episode, I will be covering the first two episodes with... It's kind of a two-parter. One story told over two episodes, but the t- even though the titles of the episodes do not reflect that. The first episode I'll be covering is With This Ring, IV Kill, and Lex Luthor Sentenced to Death. Now, before I move on, I want to tell you a little bit about the uh, second season. There were massive changes to the show. Uh, the entire main cast, with the exception of Stacey Heideck as Lana Lang, was retooled. The show's producers uh, were not happy with John Hames Newton's portrayal of Superboy in the first season, and he was replaced. Some say that he had gotten a DUI, which violated a morality clause in his contract. However, on an episode of Radio KAL Live in 2012, I want to say, I remember this vividly. Newton said he never got a DUI. So we can take that for what it's worth. It is his word against theirs. Either way, Newton was replaced with Gerard Christopher, and the rest is history. Christopher went on to play the role of Clark Kent and Superboy for the remaining three seasons of the show, and everybody considers him uh, kind of, as far as this show is concerned, the uh, definitive actor to play that role. A new direction was also made creatively behind the camera, and... Uh, the second season's uh, stories were guided by executive story consultants Mark Jones and Carrie Bates. Carrie Bates showed up as a story consultant in season one, the back half, and uh, that explains some of the shift in tone of those episodes as well. Scott Wells uh, was replaced as Lex Luthor by Sh- Sherman Howard. The, uh, the episodes uh, that I'm covering this week go into that a great deal, so I'll talk about more about that later. T.J. White was written out of the series, and... Uh, Again, that will be mentioned in the episode that I'm covering, and uh, and Clark's new roommate will be Andy McAllister, portrayed by Elon Mike Mitchell Smith. Andy is uh, very different to TJ. He's always hitting on the ladies and uh, trying to make money with his get-rich-quick schemes, and he heavily flirts with Lana, as we're going to see starting with uh, these first two episodes. The villains also get a little more comic booky as you're going to be introduced this season to actors such as Metallo. Bizarro is going to make his first live-action appearance, and we're going to get a character called the Yellow Perry. At some point, we're going to see Gilbert Gottfried as Knickknack, and uh, Michael Pollard will make a return appearance as Mr. Mixie Spitalik. So, before I get into the next couple, couple of episodes I want to talk about, I have feedback to address. Feedback here is from Dave Beckelveni. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen, episode 158. And Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. In your commentary on Wild Shark, you wondered why Commander Wild Shark didn't promote himself to captain, which reminded me of Colonel Muammar Gaddafi, now deceased, leader of Libya. I often wondered why he never promoted himself to general. Apparently, he wanted to be seen as a man of the people, without the need for a grandiose title. Maybe Commander Wild Shark was similarly humble. 
You point out that a CB radio would probably not have the range to reach Metropolis from the Bermuda Triangle, which is true since the normal maximum range of four such radios is maybe 50 miles at best. But I suppose atmospheric and geographic conditions might extend that a bit, but probably not more than 100 miles. CB radios, though, do operate on shortwave frequencies, so they actually are shortwave radios, but without the range that ham radios have due to greater frequency range and higher power of ham radio. I like the name Narnia for the cruise ship, considering that the Bermuda Triangle is a sort of mystical region. As for where the cruise ships travel in the Bermuda Triangle, indeed they do. The uh, Bermuda Triangle is a region uh, formed roughly by connecting Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And this is an area containing many shipping lanes for both freight carriers and cruise ships. One reason for the disappearance of ships there is that it is so heavily traveled, just as automobile accidents are more likely on heavily traveled roads. To play or not to play gives us a look at why young Clark shouldn't use his powers to compete unfairly in sports, which I suppose for younger kids watching the show might wonder about. If I were Superman, I'd be the best player on the team. This gives kids a lesson about fairness and not taking undue advantage as well, as explaining why Clark is generally known as meek and mild, or the less so in the post-crisis period. Like you, I wondered how the kids were surprised that Clark had tried out for the team. Besides the issue of parental permission, most school sports require physicals before tryouts, and at least in the silver and bronze ages, with a fully powered Clark Kent, that could have presented its own set of problems. In The Night of the Living Shadows, it certainly was good to see Inspector Henderson, a character I've always been fond of and who I've always believed has solved the mystery of Superman's secret identity. It was interesting to hear the, the robber called Shadow Thief, because in the comics, Shadow Thief is a longtime foe of Hawkman, not Superman. Graduation was clearly meant to be a pure comedy of errors, mainly brought on, as you noted, by Clark's own poor decisions. I found the idea of graduation being spoiled by the possibility of rain to be one that likely came from a writer who hadn't been to a high school graduation in quite a while. As a longtime high school, high school teacher, I can tell you that high schools planning an outdoor graduation normally have an indoor backup plan in the event of rain. Fortunately, in my 28 years of teaching, our outdoor graduation ceremonies never had to be moved indoors due to rain. Live long and prosper, Dave. Well, as always, uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in. I don't have... Uh, a ton to add. Uh, I guess one thing is thank you, Dave, for educating me on the uh, Bermuda Triangle. Dave uh, is always uh, educating me with his uh, tidbits and his knowledge, and I thank him for that. And he also educated me on my uh, that uh, CB radios do operate on shortwave frequencies. I, I know next to nothing about CB radios and uh, ham radios and not really something I was ever into. But uh, thank you, Dave, for educating me. It's always... Uh, you know, I hope you guys are learning something from this show, and you know what? I'm learning a lot from Dave uh, from just from some of his uh, comments. Whether or not I actually retain this knowledge and apply it in some way is another uh, thing altogether, but I appreciate Dave uh, filling in some of the gaps of my knowledge here, and by extension, your knowledge. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, one reason for the disappearance of ships there is that it is so heavily traveled, just like automobile accidents are more heavily tra traveled on roads, I guess... Uh, just uh, judging by some of the things I've read today, if we didn't travel by automobile, there'd be no accidents. If no ships traveled in the Bermuda Triangle, they wouldn't disappear. Let's see if you guys in two months can know uh, what I'm referring to. <laughs> I really don't have anything to add to Dave's comments on to play or not to play. We're pretty much a lockstep. Uh, the only thing I want to correct um, on Dave's comment where he says, besides the issue of parental permission, most school sports require a physical before tryouts. Correction. All schools require one physical per, at least in New York. I assume it's the same everywhere else. One physical per school year. So if you played 
football in the fall and baseball in the spring, you could get by on the same physical. But I guess the reason I didn't think of the physicals was because mainly the episode was about the Kent's uh, reaction to him playing football and why they'd permit it, knowing what they know. Physical wasn't a part of the story, which is why I really didn't think about it. As far as the Night of the Living Shadows, I am not much of a Hawkman reader, but I do remember now the Shadow Thief is a longtime foe of Hawkman. I do know that. Didn't think of it then, but now that Dave mentions it, he is absolutely right. And as far as graduation, uh, Dave's uh, pointing out that most high schools, all high schools do have a backup plan in, uh, in the event of rain. And I guess if there's even a threat of rain, they probably move it in. It'd probably be nothing more embarrassing than uh, being outside during graduation and being caught in a freak thunderstorm that you didn't know was coming. But I will say that I, I may have mentioned this during the episode itself, but my college graduation, it poured. And you know what? Our big new rec center arena wasn't built yet. So we did have our graduation outside under tents, which, you know, in the rain was fine. But you know what? When uh, all the schools broke up, you know, once the humanities went to their ceremony, the I went with the communication major somewhere else. So there were a whole bunch of tents set up. And you know what? You got pretty soaked when you went from tent to tent. Just saying. So, yes, my college graduation was outside despite the rain. So that was not a lot of fun. So that's all I've got from Dave here. Uh, if you want to join in on, uh, if you want to add to the conversation, uh, manascreen at gmail.com. You can also leave, com- leave comments on uh, Facebook and uh, join the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. But at this point, I'm going to take a break, play a podcast promo, and I'll come back with the season premiere of season two of Superboy with this ring, IV Kill. Hang around, folks. Annual Halloween party canceled. Haunted house shut down this season. Then come to the house party that no force can stop. The house of Frankenstein. The Supermates are throwing their annual bash no matter what and inviting some of your favorite horror stars. Lon Chaney Jr. Anyone who enters here without my permission will be considered a trespasser. Lionel Atwell. By heaven, I think you're a worse fiend than your father. Christopher Lee. Don't use long words, Inspector. They don't suit you. Evil and Anchors. We haven't been able to contact Count Alucard so far. Peter Cushing. I told you before there are times when you shouldn't be alone. Bela Lugosi. He's mine. He don't belong to you. You go away. Barbara Shelley. There have been seven murders committed in the forest of Bandorf in the past five years. Basil Rathbone. But of course I know who did. Haven't you heard? The monster. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? And Boris Karloff. <laughs> Plus a few party crashers. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. And some amazing friends. Dragon time! Worst thing! Let them take care of your friends, my dear. <laughs> I'll take the robot, you take the wolf thing. Good. I've always had a way with animals. So RSVP to fireandwaterpodcast.com, iTunes, or Spotify, and don't miss the one Halloween party you can count on to be scary in a good way. Not the 2020 way. The House of Frankenstein. All right, welcome back, folks. Going to start off with... With this ring, I be killed. This is episode one of season two of Superboy. Original broadcast date, October 7th, 1989. Directed by David Nutter and written by Fred Freeberger. 
I'd already gone over the new main cast in the first segment. Guest cast includes Sherman Howard making his first appearance as Lex Luthor. He also plays the role of Warren Eckworth. More on that later. Michael Mano returns as Leo. Douglas Brush as the general. Kevin Corrigan as the security guard. Tom Scoggins as the commander. He's a Florida-based actor. He plays. The only reason I looked him up at all is because the last name Scoggins jumped out at me. I have found no evidence that he is that he is related to Tracy Scoggins, who played Cat Grant in season one of Lois and Clark. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume they are not related. Linda Perry is the secretary. David Cullinane is the doctor. James R. Green as the minister, and Janice Shea as the nurse. And our synopsis is brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com. Your number one source for Superman information on the web. In his hideout, Lex Luthor, bound in hand and facial bandages, talked with Leo. Oh, the pain that I've endured these past few months, Leo. All for a new face. <laughs> no, you couldn't even imagine it. Look at you. Young. Handsome. But you're still gonna be handsome, Lex. Handsome. I had to cut into my face, my body, and my voice. Age myself 15 years. 15 years of my youth. Lost. Gone. For what? For what? So Superboy won't recognize you. <laughs> All because of Superboy. I look like a like this. I had to burn off my own fingerprints. Leo, tell me, can you fathom what I've had to put myself through to escape from Superboy? We'll get our revenge, Lex. We've got the plan. Ah, yes. Yes, indeed. We've got the plan. Thanks to this clever gentleman and the astonishing weapon his firm has developed for Uncle Sam. A weapon so powerful, they've even named it the Superboy. <laughs> the Superboy. It's ironic. The weapon that they've so flatteringly named after the boy is the very one that'll snuff out his life. <laughs> At Eckworth Industries test field, Lana and Clark ready themselves for the testing of the Superboy gun. Lex and Leo watch from a distance as they prepare to wreak havoc on the test. Clark suggests splitting up to get their stories from various guests and then leaves and flies in the Superboy. As they aim the weapon towards its target, Luthor scrambles the signal and re-aims it in Superboy's direction. The missile strikes and stuns the boy of steel. A moment later, Lex tries to fire another missile at Superboy, but he uses his heat vision to fry the circuitry on the firing mechanism to disable it. Frustrated, Luthor determines that the power on the weapon should be turned up to 25%. Back at his hideout, Luthor is disappointed after unveiling his new face, Eckworks. He then kills Leo, so there's no one left to recognize him. Later, he goes to Eckworks' office, pretending to be him, kills the real Eckworth, then takes over his operation. Yes, sir. I've just closed a big deal with a new supplier, the uh, Lexor Corporation, so I'll need a rather large check from accounting in this amount. Have them drafted immediately. Yes, sir. 
Mm. Would you um, have the freight department send me up a crate after lunch? About uh, six feet long. I have to pack a dead body. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, and get me in touch with uh, oh, the chief engineer in charge of the Superboy gun. Uh, Mr. Henderson. Henderson, him. On the private line as usual, Mr. Eckworth? As usual. Hello? Hello? Hello, Henderson. Listen carefully. I want you to jack up the power on the Superboy gun. I wa- I'm fully aware that it meets the Defense Department specifications. However, it doesn't meet mine. I want you to jack it up a full 25%, make it 50%. Believe me, Henderson, I have my reasons. At Schuster University, Clark and Lana look at his story on the front page of the Daily Planet. I can't believe it. TJ's photo made it to the front page of the paper. I guess TJ really made the right move by going to work for his dad's paper. Yeah, it kind of blows your mind, huh? Hey, wait a minute. You never answered my question. Where were you when that missile hit Superboy? I looked for you everywhere. Yo, Annie McAllister reporting room 15, first floor, second building. Ugh. And you. Must be my roommate. Okay, close. Model Lang. I'm Clark, and that's your bed. No, no, can't do. See, uh, I gotta sleep with my head facing north, and it has to do with the way my mind creates. We have to switch. What? No beer? We're not allowed to have alcoholic beverages in the dorms. Are you serious? Uh-huh. Did you say your name was McAllister? Yep. Capital M, small C. It says here I'm supposed to be with a guy named Johnson as my roomie. Clark, I wanted to live with you. I pulled some strings down at the administration building. See, I hear that you know Superboy pretty well, and I'm a big fan of the super guy myself. In fact, I got a slew of business propositions to talk over with him. Geez, I don't know. Superboy kind of likes to keep to himself, and I, I just don't know if he would do something like this. Clark, I'm talking finder's fee. It's a big box. Okay, for example, what does this look like? Looks like a glass you wear around your neck. Okay, it's a glass that you wear around your neck. But you're not thinking. How many times you're hanging out with friends, slamming a couple of brewskis, you're tipsy, whatnot, you slip, whoa! Splat all over the floor. But this chain keeps it safely around your neck for you to continue to enjoy. No mess, no spills. Trying to get a meeting set up with Procter & Gamble could be a very, very big Christmas thing. You ever do any modeling? Uh, no. Well, I had this idea. Swimsuit calendars, the girls of Schuster College, and I'd, I'd really like to meet with you. Are you serious? Oh, I'm not talking total nudity. Uh, I think this is the part where I exit. Clark, good luck. It's Andy, right? Right, right. I can't say that I'm that anxious to meet you again. Oh, babe, I'll grow on you, I swear. Okay, you don't happen to have a younger sister, do you? She's outrageous. You and, you and her ever, you know, 
Lana? Yeah. No. We're just friends. So, you don't mind if I spend a weekend with her? This is great. I love this place. Lana leaves and outside is stopped by Luthor in Eckhart's limo. He lures her in and takes her back to Eckhart's office. I um, thought we were going to see the weapon. How do you like it? It's beautiful. Now about the photos on the Superboy gun, what I'd like to do is maybe... Try it on. I think the bride would resent that. Why would you resent it? Hey, look, I didn't come here for this, okay? Would you mind unlocking this door? Why? So I can leave? I control a multi-billion dollar corporation. I'm filthy rich and not too bad to look at, not really, am I? Not as good as I looked a couple of months ago, but well, never mind. I can give you anything you want, take you anywhere you want to go, meet the most important people in the world. You are really sick. Now, any woman in her right mind would kill for the chance I'm offering you. Would you get away from me? No, 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 no. You'll get used to me once we're married. Crazy to think I would marry you. Don't you ever call me crazy. It's Superboy, isn't it? You'd rather have him than an old man like me, huh? Well, you want to know a secret? This is just a mask. I'm really young. Inside the mask, I'm young. Like Superboy. What do you mean? Plastic surgery. I even put acid on my vocal cords to lower my voice. Why are you telling me all this? Well, you should know who I really am. You want to guess? What are you talking about? Come on, guess. I don't know. You don't know me? Really? Your old school chum? Lex Luthor. It's impossible. Nothing's impossible for me. Why? Because of Superboy. He made me do all this. Get into that dress! This is what one might call an intravenous love potion. Now then, my beloved, if you don't put your bridal gown on like a good girl, I'll be forced to inject you with this. Make your choice. I knew I could depend on you to choose wisely. Now then, my blushing bride, I've made all the arrangements. We're going to be married 
in a small, out-of-the-way prison, very old, very quaint, with a lovely old antique gallows in the main prison yard. You probably know the place. The old abandoned prison out on Interstate 5. Toodaloo. He purposely leaves Lana alone, and she calls Andy at Schuster to pass along an urgent message to Clark, as Luthor watches on a monitor from another room. At the sight of the wedding, Eckworth and Leo's dead corpses are in attendance. A video of a reverend with a gun to his head serves as the head of a dummy that reads their vows. Superboy arrives to stop the ceremony, and Luthor turns the newly juiced-up weapon on Superboy and fires it. Superboy lays unconscious in the ruins of the prison wall. Soon after, as doctors are working on him, Clear. afraid he'll never walk again. All right, so this uh, second season starts off with a significantly darker tone than the first. If you remember the first season, very light, very breezy. There was some darker, a little heavier stories toward the end of the season, like Stand Up and Got Knocked Down. Well, it wasn't very good, but it was darker. You know, episodes like Black Flamingo, which was a little bit darker, but and really got a much more comic booky when... Uh, with the ending uh, of Luthor Unleashed. And while while the show never really embraced the, the show's comic book roots in the first season, it really starts to do so here. Things like the Superboy gun, which seems like it could walk out of a Silver and Bronze Age comic book. You know, how many times in the Silver and Bronze Age was Lex Luthor trying to get at a weapon to kill Superman with? And, you know, that's the same thing he's doing here. I mean... This starts off very ominous, just with a skull behind the grating, and uh, we the first thing you, you would recognize if you've come along from season one is, there's Leo, and uh, we're the bandaged man, uh, who uh, modern audiences might think looks a little bit like uh, the Batman villain Hush, but Leo reveals that this is Lex Luthor, just basically through conversation, he calls him Lex, so that tells you what you need to know right there. And uh, to explain why he looks older, Luthor has aged himself. So that Superboy won't recognize him. For whatever reason, uh, Scott Wells was uh, not asked back. Or maybe he declined to come back. I really don't know. But I did some reading on Scott Wells. There's not a lot of information out there on him. But it seems as though he had some substance abuse difficulties. And maybe that's why he only appeared in four season one episodes. And why with season two in the new direction, they went a new way with Lex Luthor. And you know what? I'm kind of glad that they acknowledged why Lex looks different than he did. Obviously, you, you with Superboy, you just kind of have to recast and move on because there is nothing that can be done to Superboy to change his face. With Luthor, you can kind of concoct something, and that's what they did here. I mean, the idea of Luthor aging himself, the Superboy won't recognize him as pointless if he's not going to remain in hiding. I mean, I see if you're going to just sit there and hide, fine. You know, you change your face. But if you're going to just go after Superboy, you're not going to change your face. But obviously, in story, Lex had to change his face due to real world issues. Let's just say that. And, you know, they didn't run away from the fact that Luthor put himself through the ringer here. He even burned off his own fingertips and drank a little bit of acid to burn his vocal cords. So he uh, certainly pulled out all the stops. And uh, apparently in uh, this particular episode... Uh, he went with a very specific face for a very specific project. He uh, he wants the Superboy gun, so he takes the sh the face of 
the scientist, uh, Dr. Eckworth, who owned Eckworth Industries, I believe it's called. And there is Sherman Howard right there on Time Magazine. You know, I'm not sure what Luthor's plan was for Eckworth's face after he finished doing whatever he was doing. But, you know, I guess he's kind of stuck with it now. And obviously, the uh, gritty voice is not going to be kept forever. No one's, no one's going to ask Sherman Howard to do that for the next three seasons. Eventually, it's just going to revert to the normal Sherman Howard voice. I guess you could say his vocal cords are going to scar over. And so, like I said, while the show went out of its way to explain why there's a different Lex Luthor, we just went with the new Superboy, and like I said, because we have to. Except the one thing I'm noticing about Gerard Christopher's Clark Kent right off the bat as compared to uh, John Hames Newton, we're going a little bit extra nerdy with Clark Kent here. I mean, don't get me wrong. John Hames Newton's Clark Kent was a bit of a square, but he uh, seemed normalish. You know, like a Clark Kent that would take pleasure in the... Uh, when things go bad for Lex Luthor, like the uh, if you think about the episode The Fixer, when uh, Clark blows uh, Luthor into the little fountain and everybody laughs at him and Clark is there making jokes at him with everybody else. I don't see this version of Clark doing something like that. So there's some inconsistencies in in the character from one actor to the next. But I guess that's the kind of thing you just kind of that's going to straighten uh, itself out over time. And he is a better Superboy. And shortly after, we see Superboy for the first time. And I admit, even though I really only saw seasons three and four, and I like Gerard Christopher, he's what I always think of when I think of this show and Superboy. But I gotta admit, in the 26 episodes of season one, I did get used to Newton. And I didn't dislike him in the role. I was just kind of neutral on his performance. Yeah, you know, Gerard Christopher's better. He hits the ground a lot better than uh, Newton did. And now here is Sherman Howard uh, coming on as uh, the scientist, uh, Mr. Eckworth or Dr. Eckworth or whatever he is. And uh, the weapon doesn't take out Superboy, and Luthor is uh, quite angry that it didn't kill him immediately and kind of wipes him out and knocks him over at first, but, you know, doesn't really uh, do any lasting damage. And uh, Luthor takes another shot with uh, before Superboy heat visions it. And the effects look a little bit better in this season as well. Maybe uh, the show got a little bump in the budget. Or maybe this episode had a little bit higher budget because it's the uh, first episode of the season and they're looking to come in a little strong. So now uh, Lex is uh, taking off his bandages and uh, here he is in full Sherman Howard glory. And we reveal that he changed his face to look like uh, Mr. Eckworth because that's going to suit his plan. The only way he's going to get the Superboy gun is to make people think he's Eckworth. And Leo kind of opens his big mouth saying, no one will recognize Lex anymore and... Uh, since uh, he doesn't want anyone to recognize him and uh, Leo is absolutely clueless, that is the one thing that uh, hasn't changed from season one, the cluelessness of Leo. He's the only person who knows this is Lex Luthor. Down goes Leo, who was apparently his uh, oldest friend. And with Leo dies kind of the last bad remnant of season one. Leo and from the fixer, your zebra prince speedo are forever burned into the back of our retinas. At least they are mine. Ugh. And I am kind of glad that the show kind of brought Leo back as a plot thread to uh, resolve in the season two episode. I mean, I don't know what else Michael, Michael Mano has done, you know. When you look up his IMDb and uh, it highlights Superboy, it probably goes to show that he hasn't done much else. So basically, he killed uh, Luthor with kind of a dart gun that you kind of, with a dart that you just uh, kind of, you blow the dart at, at the person you want to kill, and he kills Mr. Eckworth the same way. Getting past the secretary because by pretending to be Eckworth, she was uh, quite confused. So here goes Sherman Howard uh, killing uh, 
Sherman Howard. So now uh, there's, there's no more Eckworth, and now it's Lex Luthor all the time. And uh, when his secretary comes in, I like this. He asks for basically uh, a body-sized box so he can uh, dispose of a dead body. Of course, uh, this empty-headed secretary thinks he's getting, but, you know, we know he isn't. So Lex, uh, needing more power to kill Superboy, demands that the Superboy gun be jacked up, even though that's well beyond the uh, parameters set by the uh, Department of Defense for whom this uh, weapon has been made for, you know. Again, as I watch this episode, for as much as I disliked Scott Wells as Lex Luthor, I am loving Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor. He is one of my favorite Lex, Lex Luthors. I mean, in live action, nobody did it better than Michael Rosenbaum on Smallville. You know, he what he did with that character for seven years was terrific. But Sherman Howard for me is up there. He's hanging up there with Gene Hackman at number two and number three. A nudge above, uh, a nudge above John Shea. So TJ's absence is going to be... Uh, explained by a copy of the daily planet he had a story in the paper so maybe he's a little bit older and graduated or something i don't know or maybe he dropped out of college because he was terrible at it i don't know but either way tj is gone and here is andy McAllister. and you know what i don't like him already after about five minutes of andy McAllister, i'm ready to have tj back but we're not gonna get him so i mentioned this before about uh Jorah christopher clark kent at this point, he he's a little too nerdy for me, and as I recall, that this is pretty much this is gonna straighten itself out as he gets more comfortable in the role. Right here, he's uh, definitely channeling the Christopher Reeve version of Clark Kent, especially the uh, version of Clark Kent we saw in the first two Superman films. Clark was a little more three dimensional in three and four. So, but one of the things I talked about when I did those episodes, I don't remember who I said this to, but but I know I said it, is that. Nerdy Clark can get old over the course of a TV show. And I'm going to keep an eye on that as I go through the season two episodes and kind of see what happens. Uh, at which point does uh, Clark Kent start to, uh, does the nerdy Clark Kent start to disappear a little bit? So uh, Andy is going to do here one of his uh, go-to moves and hit on Lana. And he wants to make a swimsuit calendar and uh, wants to put Lana on it. Lana says, to hell with that. And uh, she leaves. And I don't think Lana and Clark like him too much, but we're going to have to get used to him. And the one thing that jumped out at me uh, during the dialogue here, they're calling it Schuster College. Last season, they called it Schuster University. So I wonder if that's just a mistake made by this particular scriptwriter or if it's something that gets changed for no apparent reason other than somebody forgetting. Or hell, maybe it'll be something that's inconsistent. That's another thing we'll keep an eye on. Two things we'll keep an eye on. We'll keep an eye on Clark Kent's nerdiness and... Whether it becomes Schuster University. I think it does become the university again because I do believe it's referred to as Schuster University in season three in The Road Not Taken. So one thing that I've noticed here, Alana is a photographer now. She goes somewhere with a camera, so I guess she has to fill in the role vacated by TJ. So in his disguise as Mr. Eckworth, Luthor picks up Lana and he's being very creepy with her. He's, uh, you know, he's putting the moves on her. He's uh, giving her a wedding dress and... Basically, she's going to force him to marry her. This is not a plot line that's aging very well, is it? I'm not sure this was so great in 1989. It's definitely not so great here. But you know what? It is something you would probably see in an old Silver or Bronze Age comic book, which this show is really starting to, to channel a little bit, which is not a bad thing. Well, maybe here it, it is a little bit, but not usually. So after killing Leo to make sure he doesn't tell anybody this is Lex Luthor, now he's going to tell Lana that he's Lex Luthor. So Lex, why'd you kill Leo? And... He doesn't tell her outright. He's kind of giving her the clues to who he is, and he's 
forcing himself on her, and then he slaps her. Now, I wonder if that was a callback to the previous episode, uh, Luthor Unleashed, where Lex slapped Lana. She didn't recognize the uh, slap right off the bat, but she does reveal himself to be Lex Luthor. She doesn't believe it because he looks quite a bit different. And when we say quite a bit different, you know, 15 years older. So he's saying that Superboy made him change his appearance. And I'm not sure what his in-story reasoning is. If his goal was to hide, he wouldn't be coming back here. And the one thing he does that I didn't mention before is that I am pretty sure in that scene with the secretary, he sold Eckward's company to himself. So now he's got a ton of money. But aren't there easier ways to get a hold of Eckward's company without changing his face to look like the guy and selling it to himself? I mean, I went over the real-world reason why Lex Luthor looks different, but the in-story reasoning doesn't seem to hold up. I mean, maybe... I mean, I don't know what they knew when they filmed the season one finale, if they knew Wells wasn't coming back. Maybe they didn't know. And maybe... If they had, they would have maybe scarred him somehow, and that would make him want to change his face. I mean, it's kind of like what's going to happen with the uh, the CW Batwoman show uh, right now, because after Ruby Rose had just left, uh, I don't know if it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be a new character, but it's going to be a very uh, stark change for no reason without some kind of transition. And I don't know if there's going to be any transition. I guess we'll find out when the show comes back, whenever it comes back. I think it's come back in January, so I guess we'll find out then. Well, you won't find out on this podcast, though. So back in the uh, dorm room, uh, there's a Superboy poster on the wall. I'm guessing uh, that's probably Andy's, maybe. I don't think Clark would have a Superboy poster up on the wall. That wouldn't uh, seem uh, smart. So now we have this creepy wedding with the two dead bodies uh, that are there, including the real Eckworth. So Sherman Howard is both dead and alive in the same scene. And now we have a wedding being held at gunpoint, both the bride and the minister. And Superboy shows up and <laughs> screams, I object, because of course he does. And uh, his costume was a little bit different. I don't really recall much of the cape length uh, from Newton, but George Christopher's uh, suit is somewhat, is a little bit different. The S is bigger. This, the suit George Christopher wears looks more like they're trying to emulate the Christopher Reeve costume. The cape is about the same length as Christopher Reeve's. The boots are very similar. The S isn't the same. That's a slightly different design. A little, The edges are a little more angular than uh, Reeve's S. But you could definitely tell they're going for more of a Christopher Reeve aesthetic here. And also, I could be wrong, but I think Gerard Christopher might be a little bit shorter than New, especially in the torso area. Christopher might have been a little, more, little broader. So it appears that the machine does take out Superboy and... Uh, the last shot of this episode ends with us learning that Superboy will never walk again. Why there are defibrillators on his chest, I will never know, but th- there are. So that was a good start to the season. You know, when you look at the title of these episodes, it's not an obvious two-parter because it's not a, they have different titles. It's not a part one and part two situation. I mean, it's mostly set up, but I like what I'm seeing out of Gerard Christopher and Sherman Howard. I mean, look, I've seen seasons three and four. I already know that I like both of these actors in these roles, so that shouldn't come as a surprise, but it's a good start, and I'm curious to see if the show sticks to landing with the uh, setup in part one. But we'll find out on the other side of this podcast uh, promo break. So hang around, folks.
My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a back to the men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need to mine or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have to mine, you have to do it. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it'll be used to you at a particular t- and then if you go out of that, t- it scrambles to uh, a d- and it doesn't ad- fast enough. So it's better to just set it up. Oh, okay. It, do- it really doesn't work well. So I checked. Right. Uh, I checked my. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, my. Pre- okay. It definitely built build me for the hotel for all three of us. Join back to the bins every week for goodness. Solomon Grundy hate voiceovers. All right, welcome back, folks. We're gonna finish this off with Lex Luthor sentenced to death. This is episode two of season two, original broadcast date October fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Directed by David Grossman, and this is also written by Fred Freeberger. Guest cast includes Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor, George Shakiris as Professor Peterson. He's another holdover from season one, and one of the better holdovers from season one, I might add, at least as far as guest stars go. Tracy Roberts as Darla. We're going to see her quite a bit over the course of the next few seasons. David Cullinane as the Doctor. Clarence Thomas as Wally Jones. Richard Lake as the Warden. And Jerome Eden as the Journalist. And our synopsis is brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. At the hospital, Professor Peterson waits outside until a doctor gives him the news. Back at an undisclosed location, Luthor was hiding with Lana. My darling bride, I promise you a wedding night to cherish in your memories. <laughs> This'll put the honey in the honeymoon. This is what I think of our honeymoon. Twisted, vicious, you've crippled Superboy. Yes, I can't tell you how heartbroken I am about that. I never intended for him to live. And you have so much hatred in you. I don't hate you. Haven't you ever just cared about anyone? Or were you born a monster? Well, once a long time ago when I was a little boy, I found this puppy. Real sweet, cuddly little guy. I loved that puppy. I truly did. So... I broke his neck. I feel so sorry for you, Lex. No, my dear. It's I who feel sorry for you. (laughs) You're gonna pay for that. No, Superboy will pay for that. At the hospital, Superboy awakens with Professor Peterson by his bedside. Superboy. Can you hear me? Professor Peterson. How do you feel? Considering the circumstances, terrible. (laughs) My powers are mostly gone. How am I going to find Lana and help her without my full powers? Hey, this is what I'm hearing from Superboy you're giving up. 
I'm getting you out of here tomorrow and taking you to a rehabilitation center. That's where you should be. Meanwhile, back at the dorms, Andy is running a phony production company so he can scope out girls. Superboy calls with Clark to let him know that he won't be around for a while. At a strip club across town, Luthor meets a dancer named Darla. He hires her to be his assistant. Her first assignment, to drop off a videotape in Superboy's room, which she does that, that night disguised as a nurse. Surprise! Superboy! I'm so glad you could drop in for our wedding. So sad you're missing the reception. But as you can see, it's very swank, very plush, very romantic. Perfect place to begin a honeymoon, don't you think? I bet you wish you were here. Hey, Superboy, watch this. <laughs> Gonna take a real man to give her everything she deserves. Know what I mean, super wimp? No! Not at all! I hate him! I'll never give in to him, Superboy! I love it when you play hard to get. Oh, we're so sorry you can't walk anymore. But perhaps you can crawl. Maybe you're crawling right Lana. now. Lana! Crawl. Lana! Crawl. Lana! No! You're broken. Wasted, and I've got your girl. Da -da -da! Da -da -da! Da -da -da! No! And there's nothing you can ever do to get her back. No! The following day, Superboy leaves the hospital and is bombarded by the media as he leaves. Lana watches the broadcast on TV as Luthor walks in. Lana meets Darla for the first time, and they make nice by fighting until Luthor breaks them up. He reveals his mini-sized version of the Superboy gun in a handheld variety. At the rehab center, Superboy is training to try and restore his powers. At a new station, Luthor breaks in and takes over the broadcast. He taunts Superboy as he watches from his room. Good evening, and welcome to Newsbreak. The infamous Lex Luthor and his new bride, the former Lana Lang, are enjoying a fabulous honeymoon. Seems the happy couple just can't get enough of each other. Meanwhile, Superboy, that bastion of truth and justice, is just twiddling his thumbs. <laughs> We're gonna send you get well. Look at him, how he's tormenting me like this. So Luthor's on the rampage while I'm sitting here useless. You're making progress. It's not good enough. I've got to find out where he is and get to him. Wait a minute, the tape. That's it, the tape. What are you talking about? The videotape Luther made. It was taken where he's holding Lana. So? If I had my full powers back, I could scrutinize the tape. There's got to be something in it that can help us. But your powers are still weakened. That's why I've got to get them back. I want to try the wood again. But his power is too weak to burn it. Peterson has him try again, this time with a piece of paper attached. Superboy's able to burn that, restoring his confidence. Now that his powers are strengthening, he looks closely at the tape to find that he hidden messages. Enjoy this moment of joy and hope. We're so sorry you can't walk anymore. Wait a minute, go back. Right there. Very well. Hope you enjoyed this moment it's, of joy it's funny. and hope. We're so Lana's sorry eyes are blinking. Anymore, but perhaps Almost in crawl. rhythm. Maybe you're crawling right like some kind of code. I can hardly see her eyes moving at all. It's right there. She's trying to tell us where she is in Morse code. F 
I F T H Fifth in Cyprus. That's it. Way to go, Lana. Superboy goes to the location to confront Luthor. I'm here for Lex Luthor. Superboy! What a delightful surprise. This is a citizen's arrest. I'm taking you in. A citizen's arrest? <laughs> well, 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 look at you. Regular Ironsides. I watch all the reruns. My, 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 but you're looking well, Superboy. You've been copping some rays, haven't you? You murdered Warren Eckworth and then assumed his appearance. So I did. So I did. And Leo, your friend. Leo? <laughs> My friend. I have no friends. Never did. Never will. And if you've harmed Lana, so help me, I'll... You'll what? I think you've lost the use of your brain as well as your legs. What did you possibly hope to accomplish by coming here like this, you pathetic weakling? You're taking all the fun out of it! I guess love does strange things, eh? So it does. But I really came here to record your murder confession on tape. My confession? My confession. <laughs> <laughs> That's rich. That's rich. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed it. Because you're the only one that's ever going to get to hear it. Luther grabs the handheld Superboy gun and shoots Superboy, sending him out of the window of the high-rise. He suddenly regains his powers and flies back up to Luthor's room, ties up Luthor, and rescues Lana. Later, Luthor has his day in the electric chair. Luthor fakes the cough and slips a pill into his mouth while being escorted to the chair. When they activate it, Luthor illuminates and breaks out of the chamber. Darla pulls up beside him. All guards. I didn't think it was going to work. Oh, Lex. Oh, you're really hard. Oh, I hope I never have to do this again. Oh, don't, don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. At least not till this wears off. How do you like the car? I like everything about today. <laughs> Not as much to say about this first part as the second. I've I've said a lot of what I want to say about Sherman Howard and Gerard Christopher in the uh, first of the segment. And but right off the bat, it is nice to see Professor Peterson again. He was he was a nice supporting character from uh, season one, especially going through that uh, arc with uh, that was written by Andy Helfer and Mike Carlin with the alien and Kryptonite kills. You know, not everything from season one was bad, and I'm glad they brought uh, Peterson back. He'll be in a few episodes of this season, and then he'll uh, not be seen again after this season. So he gives Superboy, he's getting the news that Superboy will never walk again. And yeah, that's kind of just what that is. I think this would have been this whole Superboy gun thing would have been a whole lot easier to swallow if it just did something that zapped his powers. This whole him not being able to walk thing is just bizarre. And this episode doesn't really have nearly enough real estate to... uh, serve that storyline so seeing alex and lana this definitely does not seem to have the trappings of a happy marriage and uh luthor is not upset that superboy is crippled he's just just upset that he survived and uh now lex is going to uh spin a yarn to show that he was always evil by telling her that he uh killed a puppy 
and he loved the puppy, so he was always a bad person, you know. You could do a lot of evil in this world, but you know what? You kill a dog, it's over for you. Forget it. And Lucifer is going to uh, emulate Gene Hackman a little bit. He's going to go through uh, a litany of, of bad wigs. And uh, so, I'm, and we're going to see at the end of this episode that Lex is indeed still bald uh, after the adventures from uh, season one. So uh, P- Peterson is going to take Superboy to rehab, but then he kind of calls Andy, pretending to be Clark, asking him to uh, cover for him. And uh, he tells Andy a couple of weeks, but... This episode really gives no indication of how much time passes uh, during it. It could be a couple of weeks. It could be a couple of days. There's really no way to know. So now we move on to what passes as a strip club on a show that's rated uh, TVG. And we meet Darla, who is going to be Lex Luthor's on and off accomplice slash girlfriend uh, through at least season three. I don't know if she comes back in season four. Yeah, but Lana is continuing to be feisty. I like that they retain that from uh, season one. And uh, one of the things that I do like here, and and I'm glad Lex finally acknowledges this, that due to uh, things not going exactly the way he planned in the first part, he acknowledges that his new uh, face effort was kind of wasted. So I do like that acknowledgement. Obviously, it was more it was necessary from a real-world perspective, more so than a in-universe thing, one. But I do like that they at least paid a little bit of lip service to the fact that this was wasted. I'm pretty sure that we're going to move on from Lex complaining about his new face pretty much immediately as we continue into the show. So Darla is bringing in a videotape to Superboy's room so Lex can torment him and uh, show him sexually harassing Lana. Okay, uh, Superboy sits up to kind of get a better look at this. So maybe that shows he's not completely uh, paralyzed and uh, Lex is getting some serious asshole points here. And you know what? This whole thing is worth it just to see... Luthor gives Superboy a raspberry at the end. Things you don't normally expect to see in, in these shows. Lex Luthor gives Superboy a raspberry. And here we go. Superboy, and this is something that I probably should have pointed out earlier, but I'm pointing it out now. Superboy is completely in costume in this bed, even with his boots on. How is that comfortable? And as far as Gerard Christopher goes, uh, he is older than John Hames Newton. Newton was in his early 20s. When season one was filmed, Christopher is closer to 30. But Christopher looks seems more youthful than Newton does. Of course, uh, Gerard Christopher seems pretty ageless because even at 60 years old, he still looks the same. So now uh, Lana and Darla are going to meet, and that leads to a brief cat fight. And I'm starting to wonder if Lana is brought in to uh, kind of play a foil to Lana. We've got Lana and Superboy. Lex needs a female counterpart to kind of play off Lana a little bit. And I like this goofy smile on Sherman Howard's face during all this. He's playing this to the hilt, hamming it up, and I am loving every minute of it. And at the end of this, uh, he has a portable Superboy gun. So good. It's good to know that he was doing uh, something useful uh, over however much time has passed. So Peterson is continuing to help Superboy regain his powers. And he's doing a whole bunch of exercises, which are meant to uh, get him walking and getting his powers back. And he's doing all of this in costume. Can't they get the man some sweatpants or something? At least let him take his cape off. I mean, here you go. You've got, you've got Superboy here who's crippled. And you got to make things worse because he, he's going to end up tripping over his damn cape. It kind of makes me think of that moment in, uh, I think it's the Man of Steel Bars episode of Lois and Clark where Superman is staying at, at Clark's place. and uh, Or, you know, that's what they're telling people. And Clark tells Lois that he's in the shower. And uh, Lois asks if the uh, suit actually comes off. 
I'm kind of wondering the same thing here. I mean, kind of got him a nice little rehab T-shirt or something. You know, put a little S on the uh, up above his up above his heart or something. You know. Oh well. So now here are Alex and Darl interrupting the nightly news, and uh, and Superboy is still working to get his uh, full powers back, and they're weak. In this case, the uh, heat vision is weak. He can't burn the the, the wood beam, but he can uh, burn some paper. And it kind of makes me wonder what exactly is in this Superboy gun, and we never really find out. But what is in this gun that knocks out his powers? I mean, it couldn't just be powerful. You would think it would need something else to knock out his abilities. So now we're studying the video. Well, at least, well we're not studying the video. Uh, Superboy and Peterson are doing it. And we're going to find out here that Lana flashes the location to him through Morse code. All right. You're, this episode is expecting me to believe, one, that Lana knows Morse code to begin with. And two, you expect me to believe that she's good enough at it to blink to Superboy over the video? I have seen nothing from Lana in the first 28 episodes to give me any indication that she knows Morse code. Okay, I guess Lana knows Morse code because the plot demands it. Because we're getting late in the episode and we need to... Uh, move on toward our conclusion so superboy figures out where they are and now lex and darla get a visit from a wheelchair bound superboy and through all this banter i'm still waiting for superboy to kind of launch out of the chair but that doesn't happen at least not in the uh room but what he what he does get is uh a confession from luthor and uh i'm not necessarily sure how he expected to uh, get out of here with that but i don't know what superboy's exit plan was beyond getting shot again with the portable superboy gun and in free fall out the window. But, you know, all of a sudden, his powers come back because it's that time of the episode. He flies back to the hotel room, is very rough with Lex, and uh, shoves something in his mouth to keep him quiet, and uh, he finds Lana behind a steel door or something. So, Lex is caught and getting the chair. Here is bald Lex Luthor going to uh, the chair, and uh, here's Darla, the uh, master of disguise here. She's, uh, I guess it's supposed to be a nun. No one's going to gonna know it's buying a female priest at least not 1989 i I guess there were female ministers but you know they're marching into the electric chair and i'm wondering did they still use the electric chair in 1989 maybe they did i don't know so lex uh gets strapped to the chair and then fakes a freak out (laughs) just to kind of mess with the warden and uh all the people uh watching and they're not amused when lex says gotcha because while the warden pauses while lex is freaking out as soon as he shows that he was faking the warden pulls that lever pretty quickly and uh Whatever was in that pill helped Lex. Uh, well, Lex is glowing now. It looks like the Hi- Highlander getting the quickening here. And uh, I'm waiting for him to morph into the Hulk here. But he doesn't. He just kind of walks around, uh, walks out, glowing in a better effect than anything you've seen in season one. And he kind of Frankenstein marches his way out of the room. And the board just stands there looking befuddled, which is probably what I would do, too. And, of course, they're going to escape in a blazing red car, which I'm sure that won't be easy to spot. So, not bad. The first part set it up well, but the ending had a lot to do in a short period of time. This might have been better as a three-episode arc, but the shows don't didn't really do that in 1989. And it had to resolve quickly as it had to resolve the Superboy paralysis issue quickly, and it was resolved too quickly, but the good outweighs the bad. Christopher and Howard are great. I'm not sold on Andy McAllister, but either way, I know I only have to put up with him for a season, so much better things are ahead when we get to the Bureau for Extra Normal Matters in Season 3. But overall, I thought they did a good job of of explaining why Lex looks different and why TJ is gone, but of course, we uh, just have to accept the new Superboy because 
like I said before, there's really no in-story reason for him to change his appearance. But overall, a very good start to season two. Next time, we'll be back with the next episodes three and four of the season, Metallo and Young Dracula. Until then, feedback is always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You'll find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Until next time, folks, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Spring Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.